Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 2, Episode 8, and I checked it this time to make sure it was Episode (laughs) (laughs) 8. And as usual, we sincerely pray that the Holy Spirit is with us, and that's why I make a joke about them sponsoring us. But we pray that we're led by the Holy Spirit in this Bible study. Yes, we do. Um, not a lot to talk about yet, but um, let's go ahead and jump in. We continue our walk through the Gospel of Matthew, and remember we've jumped forward, so now we're in, we're still in chapter ten, and now we're going to finish chapter no chapter eleven. Chapter eleven, yeah. We've jumped chapter eleven. We're going to finish chapter eleven today. Um, no, we won't make it all the way through. Oh man, I'm gonna have to edit the whole thing. <laughs> I'm not. I'll leave it in and make me look stupid. Hey pal, you just blowing from stupid town. <laughs> so then. Mr. Know-it-all, what chapter and verses will we be covering this week? (laughs) Last week, we did 1 through 10. Uh, This week, we're doing 11 through 19. Um, And I can't remember if we finish the chapter next week or if I've broken that into two parts, but we have at least one more week then in in chapter 11. Okay. And what translation are you reading from? Reading again from the New Living Translation, um, uh, with the exception of the Common English Bible, most all translations will be pretty, pretty close tonight on what we read. They'll be very similar in their, at least in their intent, if not in their exact words. Okay. Uh, it's still Jesus speaking. He's still talking to the crowd that had gathered around uh, when John the Baptist had, had asked him some questions. Uh, same group, same, same night. Jesus says, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, None is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you're willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah the one the prophets said would come. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. To what can I compare this generation? It is like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking and you say, he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Amen. Amen. So there's a lot going on there. Yeah, there is. Um, It's kind of heavy and kind of strange in places as well. Like we said, Jesus is still talking to the same crowd, same place. He's just finishing the conversation. We broke it rightly, strangely. but he goes on, he's still comparing, he's talking about John and he says, you know, John's the greatest person to ever live. Yeah. Which is a huge statement. That, that's monster. And then he says, but even the greatest, the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than essentially the greatest man who ever lived. Yeah. Let's talk about, well, any thoughts on what that actually means? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot going on here. 
Um, and in fact, um, Matthew doesn't write it straight through the way we would today in modern phrasing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie uh, verse 11 and verse 14 together. I'm going to skip over uh, 12 and 13, come back to those uh, later. Um, if you remember, John sent a message to Jesus saying, are you the one? Right. Or did I make a mistake and I anointed somebody who really isn't the Messiah? And Jesus sends back uh, this message, you know, tell him that, you know, the deaf hear, the lame walk, lepers are cured, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. The dead are raised back to life, which is, you yeah. would think that's about as good as it gets. And Jesus says, and poor people are hearing the gospel. So to Jesus, that was the most important thing. He said, Make, get that word back to John. Well, Jesus is doing this, and a bunch of his disciples, uh, not apostles, but dis- well, the apostles are there as well, but also disciples. He has hundreds of disciples in every village. These people are there listening to all of this, and they start to panic a little bit about, well, if John has doubts, does that mean John is is saved? And John is really getting his message from God, uh, and if he's not, what do we do about John? And so Jesus calms them down with, no, 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 no. John is allowed to have doubts. Everybody is allowed to have doubts. And that's right. where we left off last week. Mm-hmm. Today, then, he continues on and says, in fact, John's still the greatest man that ever lived working for God. If you had asked the Jewish people, who's the greatest prophet ever, they would have been unanimous. Moses. Moses was the greatest. Moses talked to right. God. Moses got his message from God's own hand. Directly, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, spent time with, with God in front of him talking to him. So what prophet could get it more correct than Moses? So Moses is the greatest. If you ask who's the second most important prophet ever, I think most people would have replied Elijah. Because Elijah does some really incredible things. He he raises a young boy back to life after he he dies from sickness. He shuts off the rain right. in uh, in the northern part of the when when we've got the divided Israel's. He he shuts off the rain in the northern part and punishes them for three and a half years. He takes on the government. He takes on the queen's. Uh, own prophets of Baal and has fire wipe out 400 of her favorite prophets in in one shot. He's just this this amazing, amazing guy, second only to Moses. And when he finally gets done, uh, Moses, uh, Elijah has this faith crisis, mm-hmm. which is shocking to us. Here's a guy who's done all of this stuff, and then he has a faith crisis. Right. And and he complains to God. He he pulls out of society, goes up on a mountain all by himself, and says to God, "I'm the only one left. I'm the only believer left in the whole world, and and you should just let me die." And God explains to him, "No, no, you're not the the only one left. I actually have hundreds of prophets and and really devout men that I've hidden away and kept for the day when I need them." Um, but okay, Elijah, you have doubt. That's okay. I'm going to pull you out of the game. Uh, and so Elijah is is kind of like benched, uh, replaced by Elisha. And God sends a, we call it a fiery chariot. And you and I talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. How to describe something you've never seen before and you don't know what it is, but it's, it's, it's something from heaven. How do you describe it? Uh, the best they could come up with was a fiery chariot comes and picks Elijah up and takes him straight to heaven. Uh, and so Elijah 
never dies. He has this unique standing with only a couple other people in all of time that he never dies. And he's taken away to heaven. So there's there's number one and number two, Moses and Elijah. And uh, the prophet Malachi is the last prophet. It's the last book in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. It was also the last book ever written in the from the Old Testament. Um, and it's written about 400 BC. And then we enter what we call the Great Silence. 400 years, almost twice as long as America has been a country right. that people don't hear from God. No prophets, no amazing revelations, no theophanies, no manifestations. It's just nothing, just the words that they'd been given, and that's it for 400 years. And so the people start really waiting for Elijah to come back because Malachi, the if God doesn't speak to you for 400 years— then the last thing God said must be really, really important. Right. Well, the last thing that God says in the Old Testament, and I'm flipping here we go, the the last two verses, just before the 400 years of silence. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah, Before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives, his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So the last thing God says before he goes silent for 400 years is Elijah's coming back. And that makes perfect sense to people because Elijah never died. Elijah never died. So why not? Sure, he can come back. And they're waiting, they're waiting, waiting for number two, the the second greatest prophet of all time to come back. And Jesus says to this crowd, Elijah had doubts and was pulled out of the game. John the Baptist had some doubts about me, and he's in prison now. He's kind of been pulled out of the game. You need to know John the Baptist is the one Malachi was talking about. And that makes John the Baptist the greatest prophet of all time, greater even than Moses. Now, that would have been really controversial. Right, that would have been shocking. Yes, for, for them anyone to, to say that, that, that he is the most important man who's ever lived. What Jesus is trying to say is the Old Testament is done. Malachi is complete. We're starting something new here. There's this change in history. It's, it's all going to be defined by before and after me. And John is the, the hinge between what was and what will be. That makes him more important than anybody else. Right, isn't that what uh, Matthew is trying to say? Uh, as verse fifteen, before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this yes. present time. Yeah, and so therefore, if you're willing to hear this and accept it, John is the Elijah that was foretold. Yeah, Jesus so, essentially says from Genesis one one to Malachi four six was all about my arrival, and John is the one who stood up and announced me. So even if he's got some doubts now, you cut him a little slack because he is the most important man in fulfilling the Old Testament. He's the one who announced the Messiah. Right, that was his whole prophetic mission was to proclaim he's the one. Yeah. And he did that, and then he moved on. He said, I need to decrease while Jesus increases. And so he went and played (laughs) played with the politicians and got thrown in jail, but... He fulfilled his prophetic mission. And so if you go back to chapter one, where we were a couple of weeks ago, 
Uh, John the Baptist is is preaching, you know, repent, the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. Mm-hmm. Things have just changed. Right. So, yeah, that's his, that's his deal. It's like, here it comes, get ready. Yeah. And by golly, here comes Jesus, the Messiah. So, you know, if some of the greatest have doubted, don't worry about it. It's all right. Don't get all hung up on on sometimes they have doubts. <laughs> Humans, we want to be perfect, but we just can't. No, it's it's. I don't know. Jesus is the only perfect one, but uh, you know, try as we may, <laughs> we're just not perfect. We're <laughs> we're flawed from the get go. Later on in Matthew, uh, Jesus is going to say, "If you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could move mountains." Well, I don't see no mountains moving, so. We have yet to have a human being, even with the faith of a mustard seed. Which is so, a sad statement, but yeah. it is. But let's <laughs> let's not dump on John, or let's not dump on ourselves, right? When we have those those little faith crises. So, in verse eleven, I'm going to jump back up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says, "Even the least person in the kingdom of heaven," and that alludes to me. Anyway, we talked about this last season was hierarchies in heaven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought about that one. I'm really like, oh, is he like the lowest guy? You know, he's got the, the house farthest away from the great throne. <laughs> but even that guy is better than John, who is the greatest prophet ever. Yeah. Um, and Jesus brings up this this term, and I think we hear it a lot in the New Testament with Jesus, is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And you find that only in Matthew. Okay. In Mark, Luke, and John. uh Jesus and and John the Baptist talk about the kingdom of God. Okay. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of, of God has arrived. Matthew is written to well-educated, literate Jews who know their Bible. Okay. And that group of society would never use the word God. Ah, the, the tetragrammation, it was all, you, you can't say that word out no, loud, right? No, don't. You are, if you use the name God or, or the name of God, you are invoking the power of the highest and you're, you're daring to speak his name. We don't do that. Ah, okay, yeah. So Matthew changes it to kingdom of heaven and, and the quotes then match up with the other three gospels, uh, kingdom of God equals kingdom of heaven, but you're not going to find that in, in Matthew because he doesn't want to offend the devout righteous Jews. Interesting. Um, and then Jesus goes into another one of his, I don't want to quite call it a parable, but he uses this descriptive language a lot. What can I compare this generation to? He says things like that a lot. What are the what, what's the kingdom of heaven like? What can I compare this <laughs> this uh, generation to? And he uses this weird, at least to a modern day Christian, uh, weird little story. He says we played wedding songs and you didn't dance, so we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. Yeah. What do we know of anything about that? Um. It's, it took me a lot of research because that just made no sense to me. I, I, he's, he's, we need to back up for just a second okay. to, to verse 12. Okay. Jesus says in, in verse 12, um, and from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, which is only two years. He makes it sound right. like, you know, back in the days when John the Baptist, you know, hundreds of years <laughs> ago when there was John. John is still alive. He's, he's 100 miles away, and Jesus could go talk to him face to face if he wanted to. But he says, from the days of John the Baptist uh, until now, 
the kingdom of heaven has been, and and mine says, forcefully advancing. Um, some of the other uh, translations are suffering from violence. The kingdom of heaven is suffering from violence. Uh, and then he says, and violent people are attacking it, or violent men are pursuing it. Um, Jesus is saying, from the minute John the Baptist announced me, the world is now against me. I, they weren't against me when I wasn't doing my job, when I was just taking care of my mom and my brothers and sisters. The world didn't really care about me. But now that I have become the Messiah, I got baptized, I took on my responsibility. Now the world hates me. And the world is aggressively and violently going to try and stop me. And if you are one of my disciples, expect the world to be unkind to you. So that's, right. that's a pretty sharp statement that Jesus makes in verse 12. And then that links then to verses 16 and 17. You know, I'm, what am I, so what is the, why would the world do that? And he says, well, how, how can I compare the world? Well, it's like these kids in the, you know, in their wedding and their funeral game. In those days, every town had a marketplace where you went and you, you know, you traded your wool for somebody else's woven products or, or you took a little bit of gold and you could buy some food. Uh, you know, you didn't have refrigerators at home, so you had to go to the marketplace every day if you wanted to buy anything other than what you yourself grew. So every day the family goes to the marketplace for an hour or two at least. Mm -hmm. No daycare. Uh, right. nobody, nobody to watch the kids. And mom and dad are busy bartering and negotiating and trying to find the best deal in the marketplace. So kids kind of run wild. And eventually, almost like gangs, like bully gangs of kids start to group together and hang around the marketplace. And what they'll do is they develop this game, wedding or funeral. And when someone new would walk through the gates into the marketplace the kids would go, wedding or funeral, wedding or funeral, uh, wedding. And they would run up to the person and go, congratulations on your wedding day. And that person that they ran up to was expected to go, oh, I'm so delighted. It's wonderful. This is my wedding. And begin to dance and sing for this group, this gang of kids. Hmm. And if instead they chose funeral and they ran up to you and said, oh, we're so sorry for your loss, you were supposed to... Uh, rub your eyes like you were crying and yeah. wail and moan. Beat your chest. Yes, and all, yes, the, yeah. all the mournful things. Woe is me, woe is me. And, and you say, why would a bunch of adults put up with this nonsense? Why would they do that? Well, if you don't, if you don't do what the gang of kids has told you to do, they follow you through the marketplace, harassing you and tormenting you, um, stealing your money if they can, knocking you over and taking whatever goods you've right. purchased. Um, the streets are animals all over the fair, so they pick up animal feces and mm. throw it at you. Uh, if they could get close enough and enough of them hold you down, they would cut your hair, uh, shave your head. Wow. Um, and you think, well, why would the rest – why would the marketplace put up with that? Well, nobody else wants to be their victim. Right? So the other adults would just kind of like, eh, well, you know, kids are kids. You, you just need to dance or sing for them. Just put up with it. Okay? Right. That's, the, that's the easiest thing. Either dance or cry. Just do what, what the kids tell you to do, and there won't be a problem. And Jesus says, that's how the world's going to treat you and me as Christians. Do what we tell you to do. Behave the way we tell you to behave, or you're going to be tormented. 
Right. So John's in prison. He's going to be executed. Jesus begins alluding already to, I'm going to die on the cross. And it's not going to be a whole lot better for you guys if you keep the faith. You were all over John uh, for having some doubt. How are you going to do when the world turns on you for being one of my followers? First Peter, anyone? Yes. <laughs> you yes. <know? laughs> Yes. Yeah, the first he's alluding now to what forty or so years in the yes. future when when yeah. the the Christian Church is getting massively persecuted and 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 killed for yeah. their beliefs, and the same thing, right? You're the Christians are different; they're weird, and so we harass them, yeah, and we exclude them, yeah, and so all the way back here, Jesus year two is saying, "Here's what's going to happen," and guess what? Peter fills it out later and says, "This is what's happening," yeah. He doesn't say it, but Jesus foretold it before. So, and it still happens today. Yeah. Christians, you know, we don't do all the same things that everybody else does, generally speaking. And sometimes that causes issues in life. Yeah. And so, yeah. And it can, it can really mess with your faith. Absolutely. I was due to get a promotion at work, um, but the head guy, thinks religious people are idiots, so they gave it to somebody else. Um, if God doesn't take care of me on things like that, is God real? Right. Does Jesus really love me? Did Jesus really rise on the third? You know, when All the world that. beats you up, it can really have a negative impact on your faith. So although it doesn't look like it when you very first read through this section, it's still the same topic as before. Um, how do we deal with doubt and and what impact that has on our faith? Right. And something I was reading about the same bit was that uh, it was um, John and Jesus were being attacked for not behaving like they thought right. a prophet and yes. a messiah yes. should act. Right. Yeah. If you're, you know, John was weird, you know, he didn't eat and drink like everybody else. And so they thought he was a... I don't remember the word. I have to look it up here. Uh, they out. said he was demonically possessed. Yeah, he was a demonically possessed because he did that thing. And then Jesus said, I do the opposite, and you think I'm a drunkard. Yeah, it doesn't matter, so what, it doesn't we matter do. what we do. <laughs> you know, we're not we're not going along yeah. like you expect us to do, and so they're going to attack us for it. And and the two things that Jesus lists there both warrant the death penalty. Um a from, drunkard and a uh, a demonically a, possessed Anybody. Right. Um, from Deuteronomy 13.5, the false prophets or visionaries who try to lead you astray must be put to death. Wow. So if John is a prophet, but he's demonically possessed, he's a false prophet and he needs to be put to death. Um, from Deuteronomy 21, uh, suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. And then listen, he is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of this town must stone him to death. <laughs> right. Cool. Oh, man. So Jesus lists, you've developed a behavior, a, a crime against John, uh, which warrants death. You accuse me of being the exact opposite of John, but you're still sentencing me to death. 
you guys, there's nothing we can do that are going to make you guys happy. You're True. just, again, you are that, you are those bully kids in the marketplace who are going to beat up on us no matter what. Right. We can't do what you, we're not doing what you expect us to do. Therefore, you're going to get bullied That's and, it. and effectively sentenced to death. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and then at the end of this, and I'm going to come back to something in a minute, but at the end of this, he says, but wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Yeah. Any thoughts on what that means? Jesus is performing miracles of healing that no one else can do, right? Curing right. a leprosy was incurable. It right. just was. Blindness and, is you know, yeah. pretty much uncurable. Born blind, deaf. you're never going to see. Born right. deaf, you're never going to hear. And yet Jesus is fixing the incurable things and yet says, but even more important than that, I'm telling people how good God is and how much he loves them. That's the most important thing I'm doing. So Jesus says, blame me. Do I eat with tax collectors and sinners? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. I have sat and had dinners with tax collectors. I've had, Matthew being one of them. Right? Yeah. You know, I have spoken one-on-one -on -one to prostitutes, which no good man should ever do. But I've done that out in public, and all of you saw me do it. Uh, as I told her, she was forgiven of her sins by God. Right. Uh, so uh, you have these behaviors that you want to sentence me to death for, but I'm doing what nobody else can do. And I couldn't do that if God wasn't powering me. So the consequences of my actions prove I'm right, and the world is wrong. All right, so those are the results being shown yes. to be true. By yes. If you look around and see what I'm doing, you can see that I'm doing great and wonderful things, yes. and I'm doing the right things. So yeah. therefore, what you think about me is wrong. Yeah. I'm not some drunkard. Yeah. I'm, I'm the Messiah. Get over your idea of what the Messiah should be like and just look at me. All right. And then, like I said, I want to jump back to something. He says in verse 19, the son of man. Yeah. And he uses that term. Um, he uses that term quite a bit. At least the term comes up quite a bit. Matthew, I looked this up, so I'm not. <laughs> 32 times in the book of Matthew. Whoa, yeah. 15 times in the book of Mark. 26 times in Luke and in John, 12 times. Okay. Um, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, which you've done before. Because I have been wrong. <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. What? <laughs> um, that is the, the term son of man is first seen in Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. Yeah. And Daniel's having a vision. Yes. And he describes this vision in, in the chapter. He says, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with clouds, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one. God, yes, and was led to his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world, so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Talking about most likely the second coming. Yes. In the new heaven, new earth yes. time frame. But that's where we first see the Son of Man, just a description of he's going to see God in heaven and gives a, gets authority. So Jesus kind of assumes that name. Yeah. That I am the son of man spoken of in Daniel. Is that kind of what, what I should read from that? Again, 
we don't want to offend righteous. Matthew does not want to offend righteous Jews. Mm -hmm. And so for Jesus to come out this early in his ministry and say, I am the son of God. That's blasphemous. That's blasphemous. It's just, yeah. Uh, Even though he's doing these incredible, amazing things, uh, righteous Jews, devout Jews uh, would have just been turned off immediately and would begin calling for his death. Well, he's still got another year and a half ministry. He's got to get finished. Right. He's not going to, he doesn't want to die early. That messes up the whole plan. So he can't tip all of the religious authorities completely against him at this point. He still needs access to talk to people and teach. And so he uses a phrase that doesn't sound, um, like he's taking on any big title. I'm just a son of man. Right. But like you said, you found it in Daniel. Son of man's a pretty big deal. He's given all authority and his kingdom will never end and he has access to go directly to God and speak to him. That's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big title. Yeah, really. <laughs> so Jesus is using that term and we use that term as to not to offend those who would be offended by I'm the son of God. Right. Because that would definitely be offensive. Yeah. And that would, you know, even today, if you walked up and said, I'm the son of God, you would probably be chastised and, you know, churned turned you'd be turned away and you know yeah. beat up and all that kind of stuff because yeah. that's just crazy talk i'm telling yeah. you yeah and he didn't need that yet right? no he's he's got like we said another year to go he's got to get to the cross on time at the right place the right time and everything has to fall into place and it's not time yet exactly we'll jesus is that managing go. That. yeah, yeah. a lot of he's got a lot of things he's got to hit <laughs> before he gets to the cross <laughs> Which seems weird but it makes sense when you yeah. look at it in hindsight yeah. oh yeah he had to do that to fulfill the prop- prophecy or whatever, but yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah, this was a this was a pretty in depth kind of. He throws things back in the people's face, yeah, in a sense, where he says, "I'm not doing what you expect me to do, but I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm fulfilling the prophecies about the Messiah because I am the Son of Man, yeah, the prophet, the the uh, the Messiah, yeah." And so I was going to ask you. I mean, maybe I was trying to understand the mood that Jesus was portraying here. Was he scolding the people or was he explaining to the people gently or – I know in the Greek sometimes the words can give right. you the – Yes. The, more than just tense, but just even the emotion that's being portrayed in the words. Does that come out in the Greek? It, it does. And, and uh, surprisingly, this is one of the very few cases where some of the key words that Jesus uses can either be positive or – or negative. Mm. Um, and so they have to look at all the context and what words, what previous verses it relates back to, uh, which is why I, I singled out the uh, the common English Bible. Uh-huh. It looks at these and it goes for the positive. It says, we think Jesus was in a positive frame of mind and he was, he was telling them positive things. Almost every other translation says, no, Jesus was kind of negative. He, he had started out with don't don't you talk smack about John. John did what he needed to do. That mm-hmm. makes John the most important guy in the world. And if you think you're going to have great faith all the time, wait till your trials and tribulations come along and you're facing something like John is, and it is definitely going to come. It's a guarantee. And so, yeah, he gets uh, not angry, but very stern. And his explanation is focused in the negative. Uh, if you think your faith is so strong, Wait till it's your turn. All right. So he's kind of not quite chastising, but yeah. strongly worded yeah. 
um, kind of telling laying it out for the people that have yet to figure it out. Yeah. That, yeah, you might think I'm a crazy, you might think I'm a drunk, but I'm really here. And it's what's happening to me will eventually start happening to you yes. because you've believed in me. Right. And so don't take this lightly. Yeah. Right. Cause it's going to get ugly. Yeah. Okay. Anything else about this? Uh, no, there's just verse. nine verses there, but we packed a lot in. There was that. a lot. I mean, I, I was reading it, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have like 600 pages of notes on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so let me ask you this. Title of the sermon. Title of the sermon is special uh, because Jesus, he says, the least person in the kingdom of heaven is more special than John the Baptist, who is the greatest prophet in all of history. So you and I, though we've we've never delivered prophecy from God, the fact that you and I survive under trial and, and temptation and struggle 2,000 years after Jesus rose from the grave, and the fact that you and I live in a world that says, we're not even sure Jesus was real, right. let alone that he's, that he's God, you and I survive that and keep our faith intact. God says that's incredibly special. Interesting. When I looked at the uh, bulletin, it said freedom from religion. So you might want to check your bulletin. No, that's actually a video clip that we're showing. Oh, okay. I just looked at the wrong spot on the – It's okay. the uh, – we're showing a short that's video from, clip from yeah. Ron Reagan yeah. uh, on behalf of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. I just looked at the wrong thing. Okay. It's part like, of the world attacking us. Right. I, I cheated and blew it. Don't! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you'd like to listen to this sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.ponderumc.org. At the top, there's a menu called Ministries. Pull that down and look for the item Sermons. Look for the sermon Special. Special. And this will have been delivered on January 23rd, 2022. And I think with that, we'll close this episode. From the small town of Ponder, Texas, this is Ken Corkins and Rocky Ellison reminding you to Love God and be nice to people. Thank you for listening. You can find us at www.ponderumc.org. There, you can watch the live stream of our casual service, listen to replays of this and past sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.